Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Happy Canadian Thanksgiving, everybody. Wow. Some of our American friends are like, Thanksgiving, that's not now. Well, every day is a day of Thanksgiving. And in Canada, we are blessed with Thanksgiving weekend. Amen. How many of you believe that God has destined Canada for a divine purpose? That this day we can celebrate and thank God for the goodness that he has blessed us with. You might not agree with everything that's going on politically. I sure don't. But at the same time, I thank the Lord that I'm still in a country that does have freedoms. And I still have the freedom and ability to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it might be a little under attack right now. I would tend to say it has been for years. But I truly believe that this is the church's finest hour to be alive in. And I am thankful that we have family. I am thankful that we have the Windward family, extended family that goes around the world, that we have brothers and sisters through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in every single nation of the world are believers. And I thank the Lord. I, 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 I pray for the extreme persecuted countries where Christians are dying strictly because of their faith. We haven't come there, and I pray we never do, but I will say one thing, as you've heard me say before, I will preach the gospel even if it puts me in jail. I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ even if it takes my life. I will preach the gospel because without the gospel of Jesus, who am I? Just a mere man. But with God in us, we're not mere men and women. We are sons and we are daughters of the living King. That we have, through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, power and authority over the things of this earth and this world. We can't change things all the time out there. We can petition, we can fight for it, but what we can do is we can always change the effect that every sinful thing has on our life on whether or not it will get through the barrier of the word in us or it won't. So no matter what goes on around us, we have the ability to say, no devil, I refuse that in Jesus' name. I am a son, I am a daughter, I am a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. And I will not walk with the ways of this world, I will walk with the ways of his word. And in his word, I cherish and I bring and, and enter that into my heart every day. That's my choice, that's your choice. I uh, was excited with transition, not, not excited we had to do transition, we didn't, but I was excited with what Jeremy mentioned. He always triggers me and uh, different things that, um, that he says and shares. I, I like one of the statements Jeremy said. He said, Jesus is the promised land. I want you to know that many people are looking for the promised land in their lives. Well, let me tell you what, if you know Jesus Christ, you found it. He is the answer, he is the way, and he's the best theology you could ever have, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because you'll never find the promises or your promised land without having Jesus as a promise in your life. 
Jesus is the promised land. He is his name, his death, and his resurrection. The name above all names is the one that allows us, when we walk in his promises, we walk on promised land. You hear what I'm saying? I feel like I might have a little bit too much lows. Uh, when we walk with Jesus in our lives, we walk, every step we take is promised land. Why? Because the circumstances don't make the land promised, the attitude and the heart desire of Jesus in us actually make the land promised. So we don't look to everybody else for the promises to be fulfilled in our lives. Instead, we look to Him, not me, Him, not our leadership, but we look to Him, Jesus Christ, and in Him, all promises are fulfilled. And then we can walk with the understanding, the power, and the authority through His name. We can walk, and every step we take in Him is promised land. You want your house to live in promised land? Walk in his promises, and your house is promised land. Jeremy said, no, Jeremy didn't say this. I thought of this while he was talking. After there's a forest fire, it always allows new growth. And I felt like the Lord said, let the new growth grow. But to do that, sometimes you have to let the fire burn. Because if we don't burn the junk, the chaff, the stuff, if we don't let Holy Spirit, God, His Word, Bill, burn us, then we'll constantly be like a firefighter and we'll constantly be fighting a fire. God didn't call us to constantly fight a fire. God actually called us to be a fire. He didn't call us to put out every fire in your life. Sometimes fires happen in your lives, and it's a good thing, not that you enjoy the fire, I don't think so, but sometimes that fire has to burn the chaff, has to burn the the growth, the, the junk, the fallen trees in your own life. Sometimes it has to burn so new growth will happen. But if you're constantly fighting a fire, a fire of bad things in your life, then you're a fireman, but God sometimes says, don't be a fireman, let the fire burn so you can actually grow new again. The same way the winds of the Holy Spirit, so many people try to hold on to everything and tie things down. Oh, the wind is blowing. How many of you have ever been a windstorm? Well, as a boater, a captain in yachts, also in RVs, the wind gets blowing and we have to take our tarps down or our bimini's down or, or put out more anchor chain or, or, you know, oh no, don't, don't let the, or, or for some of the home dwellers, don't let the lawn chairs blow off the deck. And I felt like the Lord say, so as the Holy Spirit blows, do not fight to try to tie things down that need to be blown out of your life. Storms and big seas in the ocean, they always stir up the waters. But it's known and proven that after a storm, the water has been stirred, the nutrients have also been stirred up again. And there's a a, a time season of nutrients at the surface instead of just at the bottom. Let the nutrients be stirred up in you and me in the middle of a storm. People have brought me into the scripture in, in John where people waited for the angels to stir the water. Let's just, I'm going to read that super quick. Uh, um, 
Uh, it's not my message, but John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Most of us know this story of the Pool of Bethesda. I mean, after, it was amazing. Sharon and I visited Israel uh, a couple years ago, and wow, we went to the Pool of Bethesda amongst many, many other places, and it, it sure is an eye-opener after you be there. Um, so John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. So here you have to understand that the moving of the water, when the angel would come and stir the water, the first ones in would be healed. And so there's a multitude of people waiting for the stirring. Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, interesting that the first shall be last, but the last shall be first in the new covenant, but this is still old covenant. And the ones that stepped in first into the water, whoever it was after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. The implication is for 38 years he had been going to this pool. Most scholars, the infirmity, whether he was disabled, he wasn't able to walk on his own, uh, many feel he was lame, some translations say lame, whatever it was, he wasn't able to get first in line. Maybe he was so frail that all the bigger people just pushed them out of the way. I don't know. Maybe they were like, uh, it's like going to, to, to Walmart and buying toilet paper. Sorry, it's a terrible analogy, but you know, people pushing each other out of the way. Actually, they don't now because we're not allowed to get close to people. But. So for 38 years, this man was waiting to be healed. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? <laughs> Sometimes God's ask, ask, God asks us the most basic questions, simple questions. Do you want to be made well? I've been praying and crying for 15 years or eight years or five years. One of the ladies here on a couple Father's Day ago, she got healed, I think, of 28 years of limping and pain right over there in the, court, in the side of the church. She got, came in with two crutches and went out with none. 28 years of, I think she was on like massive amounts of morphine for her pain. Born again, loving person, visiting the RV park just down the road. And she happened to drive by our sign that said Windward. And she thought, what is Windward? And through a, a teaching that I was sharing on the love of a father and the forgiving, forgiveness we must walk in, forgiving the other people. She said, well, I've forgiven my father many times, but maybe there's more. She went deeper, and she got healed. I think it was 28 years. She's now been on different uh, people's talk shows, sharing the testimony that happened in this place. So Jesus said to the man who's been there 38 years, said to him, do you want to be made well? Uh, hmm, let me think about that for a minute. Let me pray into it. 
There are many, many times God will ask us a simple question over and over. And I feel that question is being asked today. Do you want to be made well? Whether it's an infirmity, a sickness, a heart attitude, whatever it is, Jesus is asking, do you want to be made well? So the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Selfishness of other people kept this man from healing. Selfishness from other people kept this man from his own healing. Let's think about how we treat each other. Okay? It's important. We should treat everybody with love, forgiveness, an open heart. Even if you have to agree to disagree with some of them. Maybe on this Thanksgiving weekend, you're going to sit around a family member that just drives you nuts. And you know their political stance is absolutely opposite to yours. Then don't talk politics. (laughs) I have no man to put me into the pool. And when... When the water stirred, but while I am coming, I'm making my way to the pool. And when I'm making my way to the pool, another steps down before me. 38 years. But you see, Jesus Christ is about a new covenant. And Jesus said in verse 8, rise, take up your bed, and walk. <laughs> and immediately the man was made well, and he took up his bed and walked. And what day was it? The Sabbath. What did Jeremy talk about today? The Sabbath. I know we're having some problems, I think, with our pro presenter right now, so... Sometimes it's good to pull out your own scriptures. Some people are like, he reads off a phone. How can he read the Bible off a phone? Because it's big print. (laughs) I'll tell you what. However you hear the word and however you read from the word, if it's the word of God, it's not going to matter if it's paper or digital. My parents were over 50 years working for Wycliffe Bible translators, translating the word into unknown languages, teaching the people how to read and write in their own language, and then translating the scriptures into their language so they could read the word. But you know what? It used to take a missionary 25 to 35 years to do one language. It was their lifetime service to do one translation. But thank the Lord for computers because now they're doing it in one and a half to three years, a translation from start to finish in the Bible. So I don't care if you read it on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, or with pages 
of paper. The word is never void. It will always set you free. My goodness, I should preach today. Man. In that story, the man waited for somebody to help him. And in Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the angel had to only came at a certain time to stir the water. But Jesus Christ knew he was the new covenant still walking on this earth. And he said, you know what? I'm changing everything. You don't have to wait for someone to lay hands on you or pray for you. You can receive the miracle right now between you and Jesus Christ, period. And when you're willing to believe and have faith, it will cause you to walk in a community. You will gather around other believers like similar-minded. You will become a family, and your testimony will be evangelism to the unsafe people. I've been talking about seven different keys to live a victorious Christian lifestyle I started last week. I started on key one, and you need to watch last week's service, but I'm going to just briefly go over it and jump to key number two. Key one was we must refuse to live with past regrets. So many people are held in bondage by their own past regrets. In other words, you can't live in forgiveness of yourself or receive the forgiveness of God if your mind focuses and lives within past regrets. You can't change the past. It's done, it's finished, it's already written in history, but you can change the future and you can learn out of every past pain, every past sorrow, every past bad relationship, you can learn and grow stronger on what not to do for the future and become that living testimony, not just in your own life, but in the lives of your children, your family, your marriage, and the people around you. That's what we're called into. If you want a victorious lifestyle, you must lose the past forget regrets. You have to get them out of your mind. And sometimes that takes time. I'll tell you what, if you've been hurt violently or badly, a divorce or whatever, manipulation, whatever happened in your life, if you've been hurt violently by that, it takes time. But the best way to start that forgiveness process is forgiving the other person. And that's hard. doesn't mean agreement. Jesus Christ forgives us from sin, but he doesn't come into agreement of sin. You can forgive somebody for the, what they did to you, but it doesn't mean you come into the agreement with what they did. Does that make sense? So many people think if I forgive them, then I'm, 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 I'm empowering them to continue doing it. Oh no, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness through Jesus Christ does not empower you to do sin. It actually empowers you to no longer sin. That's true forgiveness. So we must not live with past regrets. We must walk into forgiveness. First in our own lives. So many people just can't forgive themselves. You messed up. You screwed up. Get over it. Learn from it. Turn from that wicked way if that's what it was. You screwed up. But you know what? In the kingdom of God, you didn't screw up. You, you, you're in, you entered in, you did screw up, but you enter into a time and a process of learning and growing not to live in the regrets of what you did wrong. Uh, very quickly, Philippians 3, 12 to 14. This is Paul writing, 
Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also has laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, uh, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in, God in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying, if I, if I do not forget the things of the past, I can't even press forward into the calling of God in my life. Isaiah 48 18 to 19, I wrote, read all these last, last week. I'm not going to go through everything. Do not remember, so Isaiah 43, starting in verse 18. Do not remember the former things. Is that clear? Do not remember the things before. Don't, don't live in the regrets or the th- thoughts of the past, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. And shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I will make a road in the wilderness. If you live in a desert, you are probably remembering the things of the past. You have let, you are not letting go of the past and it will create you into a desert and a wilderness. But God is saying, no matter where you are, uh, if you forget those things of the past, I will make you a road and I will give you rivers. What's the road for? To walk you out of the desert. What's the rivers for? To give you nutrition and drinking, to get you on the road, to get you moving and get you out of the desert season in your life. (laughs) But you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what they said about me. You know what? You don't know. You don't want to know what people have said about me. I don't want to know what they say about me. Their opinion is none of my business. Second key. So, first key, don't hang on to past regrets. Second key, the importance of fellowshipping with other genuine believers on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, this whole pandemic thing, what's it doing? It, it, it's, it's creating separation and it's creating that you can't even gather. I think in one of our provinces right now, they have, the police have the right to go in, make their own warrant, and check how many people you have in your house. You know what bugs me? Is I have seven people in my house, my family, right now. Seven people living with me in my house, and we as a family can't even go to a restaurant and eat together. Because they call my one-and-a-half-year-old grandson the seventh person, and only six are allowed in a group. This is anti-Christ. It's anti the whole biblical principles where God says, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. You know what? (laughs) We need to move forward and advance the kingdom of God. And this whole thing, as much as COVID's a real deal, I'm not saying it's not, but I will tell you what, if you and I live in the fear of every single thing that comes down the pipe in our countries, you will live in a desert of fear. Oh, what are all SARS? What are all uh, Y2K? Oh, my goodness. When this pandemic ends, there will be another thing that's going to come. 
I'm not preaching judgment. I'm just preaching that there are stupidity things that are going on in the governments in the world right now. And I know one thing that isn't stupid, and that's the Word of God. Do not walk in the fear of anything of this earth. I tell you what, our God is so big that if you pick up or you go by a fire and a snake jumps out, a venomous snake jumps out and bites you, shake it off and put it back in the fire where the dumb thing belongs, but keep on walking. Oh, I know the law is the law. We've been conforming. We're only allowed so many people. We're conforming. I'm absolutely frustrated now because the Starbucks drive-thru is so long because people don't want to wear a mask to go inside. And I had to go to Starbucks this morning, and I said to Sharon, oh, shucks, my mask isn't in the car. And last Sunday, it wasn't either, and I had to go in, and they had to give me a mask. If I go in again this week, I'm going to feel dumb asking for another mask. So I did everything the world says not to do. I put on my wife's mask. I kiss her. We sleep face to face. I'll drink out of her straw. Oh, no, no straws anymore. Sorry. I put her mask on and walked in, and I said to Starbucks, I'm just really saddened that you make it mandatory. I know the American companies and like Walmart and the different places, it's frustrating. I know, I know there's a part of me that just wants to walk in without one just to see the attention you get. How people look at you. I'm not against mask wearing at all. I personally think if you're wearing a mask, you're protecting yourself. That's where I, that's where I stand. You feel to wear a mask, wear a mask, absolutely. That's what we say right at our front doors. We're social distancing in here, wear a mask. That's our recommendation. That's what uh, our government is recommending, absolutely. I have no problem you wearing a mask. Now, if you're wearing a mask and you're the only one in your car driving down the road with your windows rolled up, I'd probably say, hmm, you might not need it. Wear a mask. Where I struggle, and you know where I struggle, is when your own view forces that on somebody else who doesn't have the same view. That would be like me walking to everybody around me and demanding that they read the Word of God and become Christians. Go to the government, our beautiful prime minister, and say, Mr. Trudeau, if you are forcing us to do stuff that's against our own religious perspectives, then why can I not force you to also do something that's maybe against your religious perspectives? Oh boy, I'm going down the wrong path. You guys are real quiet, staring at me. And I'm saying it for a reason. I'm saying it for a reason. 
Can you imagine marriage and family living separated by six feet? You, as a husband and wife, will not have babies. You, as a family, will not have a good family structure. If you look at the child that was walking up here and get offended by, oh my goodness, the child is loose in the church. No, mom and dad were right here. One was on on his knees and the other one was watching. And what are the odds of that child getting COVID and dying from it? Does anybody know that perspective? I think it's like one thousandth of a percent or two thousandths of a percent. Close, very close to zero. I look at this and I say, people, COVID's it's a virus. But how do we let viruses stop us from being family? Does anybody remember when AIDS came out? Is AIDS still real today? Or any other disease or virus? How about about influenza? Is it still real today? You just got to look at the statistics of how many people die of influenza every year. And I need to look and say, I don't care if my grandson is sick with a cold or a snuffly nose or one of my children. I will not distance myself and stay away. I will give them a hug. I will talk with them. And I will say, hey, we're here to help you walk through the sickness. So the importance of fellowshipping together between genuine believers, we must realize that is a core biblical principle to a victorious lifestyle. And if you separate and do not fellowship with other good Bible-believing believers, you're going to live in a desert season. God did not create us to do life alone. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we're to do life alone. We're made to walk with God who is able to help and empower us to live a life that is full of meaning and purpose. That is our destiny, that we live a life through Jesus Christ that has so much meaning, purpose, and destiny. No matter what country you live in and no matter what government says to you, it doesn't matter if you're in communist China as a believer or you're in one of the the other countries that I've been into where we've had to do underground church. You know what? I broke the law. They took me by car, tinted blackout windows. At 9 o'clock at night, they took me and they shuffled me down emergency exit to get down into the basement where all these Christians were gathering to worship because it was against the law for them to worship together. And if that puts me in jail, I will happily go to jail for it. I'm being graceful to the laws of our land right now, and so is our team. But I want to tell you something. I want to encourage you. Protect yourself, yes, but do not let fear become your lifestyle. The Bible's so clear. 
that a victorious lifestyle guaranteed will have connection with your Christian family around you. Being connected to other believers, it gives us an accountability. You know how many people don't have an accountability because they're a know-it-all themselves. I want to tell you something. When we have accountability together as a family, when my kids and, and, and my, my, my daughter-in-laws and, and daughter-in-law and, and son-in-laws, we're, we're family, we're together, and there's an accountability together that they have the option to question or, or ask us, and we have the option to question or ask them as well too. It's an accountability that's healthy. I'm not talking dictatorship. That's not accountability. That's controlling dictatorship. Being connected to other believers, it gives us a support network that helps us be all that God has planned us to be. I will guarantee you that you're, if you're independent on your own, you will not be all that God has called you to be. We have got to be connected together as a family, as a network of families co-laboring, working together with accountability because that accountability creates a releasing of unified power and authority. It's like an apostle trying to be an apostle with no accountability to anybody. You know, I'm 19 years old. My card says apostle. Unbelievable. Who's your accountability? Well, Jesus and Holy Spirit and the Word of God. No, no, no. That is not what accountability is. Even if your accountability isn't always the wisest in decision making, you still have to be accountable. Husbands and wives are accountable to each other. Even if there's not the best decision all the time, you have to choose to be accountable. And there are times when Sharon has asked me not that let's not do this or let's not go there. Even though I want to, I submit and I say, okay. Did Brent Borther just say he submits to his wife? Yes! Sometimes. Sorry, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> when we have community with each other, this is why our life groups are so important. When we have community with each other, we remain strong in our faith and develop healthy friendships and family in the community together, together, together. Oh, I don't know if I should go to a life group right now. There's small groups. Go. Wear a mask if you need to wear a mask. People are fearful to even come here. Wear a mask. But do not forsake the gathering of the saints together. You might have to take your turn because we can't fit everybody in at once because we're following the guidelines. But I'll tell you what. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints together. Well, what if I get COVID in the church? You know what? Then it's going to be a super good COVID for you. <laughs> that you'll live through it and you'll build an immunity and you'll never need to worry about it again. Yeah. Or just stay home, lock yourself up till COVID disappears. Guess what? That's not really how viruses work. Or we would be able to eliminate influenza. But we can't. And we got vaccines for influenza. I had to do a lot of searching. 
uh, the, uh, last year, no, the 2018, we had over 560 deaths of influenza in BC alone. That's, that's normal every year. That's straight influenza. Not you died of a heart attack and you had influenza. That's influenza killed you. And if influenza led to pneumonia, we were over 1,200 deaths in BC alone in a year. Where are we with COVID right now in BC? Does anybody know the number? 240 deaths, and heaven forbid, and one death is horrendous and terrible. But I want to tell you something. Please, please, sometimes we have to shut the news off and only listen to the good news of Jesus Christ in us. You have abide by the law, absolutely. But I'll tell you what, when the law takes away the freedom of your and your family, that's where God says his law supersedes. Jesus spent a lot of time fellowshipping with his disciples. You know, it was against the law to touch a leper. It was against the law to touch a leper. If you touched a leper, you had to stay with the leper colony. A very contagious disease. Against the law to touch a leper. Hmm. I thank the Lord Jesus (laughs) that his law is heal the leper. If you were a woman bleeding in your menstrual cycle, you were not allowed into the city. You had to stay out for the whole menstrual cycle plus seven days because you were classified as unclean. Oh, I thank the Lord that there was a super anxious woman who would have been looked down upon and frowned upon because she snuck into the crowd not wearing her face mask because she knew that if she could just touch the garment of Jesus, she would be healed from 12 years of bleeding. I never thought of that. I'm going to put a whole head covering on next time I go into Walmart. Maybe when the police pull me over, I'll put my head covering on. <laughs> Kidding. Jesus spent a lot of time fellowshipping with his disciples, and he spent a ton of time praying to his Father in heaven. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. We're going to read from Hebrews 10, starting in verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up the love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let us not stay separated and independent as some people are. Let us gather together. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. 
For he who promised is faithful. I guarantee you, he, Jesus Christ, who has promised is faithful. Proverbs, cha- verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That doesn't mean I have to be in your multitude of counselors. I have a multitude of counselors in my own family. When I want to find out from my kids if it's applicable for this day and age, I talk to their millennial mind. Matter of fact, one of my daughters got me into skinny jeans. I said, sweetheart, as long as I'm not looking like an old man trying to be young or a fat man trying to be skinny. In community with other mature believers, in our life groups, as we gather together, this gives us the opportunity to receive godly counsel. Gives us the opportunity to receive major counsel for major decisions in our lives. Gathering together with other believers on a regular basis is so important to overcoming and living a victorious Christian life. We are called not to be separated. We are called to be unified. How blessed it is when brethren dwell together in unity. I tell you what, if I come to this church, and because I don't have a mask on, if I come and I get COVID... I had to step into the opportunity to watch the miraculous hand of Jesus Christ heal me. I'm not saying for you to be reckless, but I want to tell you what. My decisions are calculated on the word of God and not calculated by the word of man. If I was calculated by the word of man, there are so many countries I would have never gone into. Devour when I went into. Devour. All the government websites of Canada and America said, do not go. We have no consulates there. Two Canadians had been beheaded by by terrorists just a few months before I went. If I listened to man, I would stay home and not drive my car down the highway because people die in the cars on the highway. I will not listen to the fear of man in my life. I will live on the fear of God. And you know what? I'm actually more fearful staying home and not preaching the gospel than I am fearful of getting a virus. Oh, if I get COVID, people will say, yep, yep, irresponsible. You know what? Remember President Trump? A few weeks ago, he had COVID. Irresponsible boy, everybody left was furious at him. But no one is reporting how many people wore masks, gloves, and still got COVID. I know one couple, I know them personally, they're elderly. 
She, the wife has, has, has three underlying medical conditions. The husband has two massive underlying medical conditions. Pretty much guaranteed they're going to die of COVID by the CDC and the World Health Organization. So they stayed home. This is from the time it started. This was back in, I think it was early June. They were masked up in their house. They didn't sleep together in the bed. They didn't go. The husband never even left the house to go grocery shopping. He had his kids bring groceries, put them on the door. He waited half a day, three to four hours for those groceries to sit there before he'd go and bring them with gloves on, with masks on, and put them in his cupboard. He was very, very concerned. And you know what? They both got COVID. I want to say something to you, please. COVID's real. It's a virus. Whether it was released or man-made, doesn't matter. It's a virus. It can make you sick, and it could kill you. But I have never seen in my life or in the history of this world a shutdown like this for something like COVID. The damage that it's doing. But you know what? Many churches are growing and rising up stronger. This is the time that we can preach the gospel. We can walk the gospel of Jesus. I put my mask on when the store said wear a mask. I'm obedient to it. If someone in here doesn't want me to touch them or go near them, if you come up to the prayer chain and, and you don't want someone close to you or to lay hands, as my Bible says, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, if you don't want it, you just say it. We will honor you. I don't care. I will pray to you whether you're two, three, four, five meters away or around the world. I'll pray. That's no problem. But what I'm trying to say is if you let fear dominate and dictate your life, you will lose community, you will lose family, and you will live in a desert area. But I'm here to declare to you, no matter if you're in a desert or not, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And he brings highways, roads into the desert for you. And he brings rivers of living water into the desert with you. Not so you can live and dwell in the desert, so you can get a drink of his presence and get out onto the road, the highway, and start running right out of that desert. Right now, in Jesus' name, leave the deserts behind. Let's all stand. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus our risen Lord and Savior the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Holy Spirit the Counselor the Wisdom Jesus Man of Wisdom 
comforter, Holy Spirit. I just sense as we entered in before in our worship this morning, I feel that same presence. Find the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter. The comforter in our lives. Don't wait for someone else to heal you. Don't let someone else stop you from the miracle of his presence. But no matter what you need in your life, Jesus Christ is the answer. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you something. Today is your special day. This day has been known since the earth were created. Today is your day to invite him into your life and receive the peace that passes all understanding. Maybe you've just, you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've just been struggling with fear. Let me introduce you to somebody. (laughs) He's the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And Jesus Christ is the overcomer. And Father loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He wants you to be in community. Even if it's by Zoom meetings. Or Facebook Live, whatever it's called, or whatever we do nowadays. Maybe it's a a loved one that lives in another country or part of Canada province. Call them today and fellowship together as family, as friends. For this is the day that the Lord has made. And in Him, we rejoice and are glad every day. Every day we rejoice. I had some very, Sharon and I got some very sad news this this morning, just before we came to church, and we chose Thanksgiving instead of pain and sorrow. Thanksgiving, we celebrate you, Father, for the goodness that you have blessed us with. I thank you, Father. In a, in a couple days, in a week and a half, 32 years of marriage with my, my lover on this earth, my wife. I thank you for our children. I thank you for this ministry, Windward. I thank you for the leaders in it. I thank you for every person that is a part of this ministry, for the ministries around the world. I thank you, Lord God, and I bless them, Father. Anyone in this room, I just feel right now, And I want to say this humbly. I am a father. And Sharon, I'm going to ask you to come up with me. I don't do this often, but I feel like it today. As a mother and a father. 
kids that serve the Lord. Grandchild that has no option but to serve him in our family. I'm just kidding. He has to make his own choices. I want to speak to the ones that maybe don't know their father or their mother or that have had problems or bad history. I want to speak as a mother and a father to you from the Lord. God loves you. And maybe a father has done something, a dad, or has been non-existent in your life. As a dad, I want to say I'm sorry for the dads that have made bad decisions. Because if I get Sharon to speak, she has to get very close to me to speak into my microphone. <laughs> I think Sharon has, has a mother, a grandmother. Just for ones that haven't had that love of a mother or, or a grandmother or, or struggling as a mother themselves or aren't a mother yet but want to be, I don't know, just, I feel like just a simple I'm sorry from a mother's heart for that. Many, maybe some of you haven't experienced the nurturing of a mother or someone in your life who's been able to speak into you to bring hope and encouragement in life. I'm sorry for that. Today, receive that. Because as a mother and a grandmother, I love each one of you. I see potential in you. I see a hope and a future. Walk in that. Don't give up. Keep going. The way with God is amazing. And you are worth it. You are worthy. You are a treasure. Let man tell you who you are. Let God tell you who you are. Let God tell you. one thing as I wrap up 
if you want to serve in a family, talk with us, please. We need helpers to help with our children's ministry, helpers with cameras, helpers with sound, helpers in every area you can imagine. We want to give you an opportunity to serve in a true family of God. Not because one of us makes you, but because you want to serve in the family. Let us know. We will never turn you away. Bless you all. Have an amazing week and happy Thanksgiving to you all.